Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You're a 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. That's Mark Brandy. I'm Evan Giddings coming at you twice a week here in the offseason, just a little under a week away as you're listening to this uh, on Tuesday from training camp for the veterans. They report mm. on July 25th. We're going to be having a lot of training camp coverage coming your way, courtesy of the Odyssey app, as well as 95.7 The Game YouTube channel. Subscribe, download, rate both. Uh, Mark, we got some interesting comments from the weekend from a couple of 49ers legends. I know we're also going to get into a former 49er quarterback that kind of had some um, commentary on the mindset of Brock Purdy that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, But before we do all that, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, I know we're going to get into what uh, was said on the pod last week, which was, of course, Ross Tucker, Odyssey NFL insider, said some really interesting things about uh, the 49ers quarterbacks. I was really sad I couldn't be here for that. I was off work last week enjoying some time with family up in Santa Cruz, and I didn't really fully understand the situation I was getting myself into. Don't get me wrong. It was a great time. But I was kind of up in the mountains, more in the middle of nowhere than I was expecting. And and the Wi-Fi and the cell service was really bad. Uh, So it made appearing on the podcast impossible. But it worked out well because you got Ross Tucker on. It was a really great conversation. I listened as I drove back over the weekend back into San Francisco. A really interesting conversation. Uh, But overall, I'm feeling good. I'm excited for training camp. I'm feeling refreshed after a week off. But I'm ready to dive back into this. Let's get into it. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Yeah, nothing to complain about. Uh, ended up working out last week with Ross being able to join us. It just so happened that that was the week that you were out of range, but yep. um, no harm, no foul. And I didn't realize that Ross was going to say some incendiary things, according <laughs> to social media. And for those that haven't heard it, uh, it's on 95.7 The Game's channel. It's also on the 415ers social media pages. Feel free to subscribe and uh, follow us while you're there as well. I I didn't really necessarily disagree with anything that he was saying, uh, but people took to the streets and took to Twitter and any anti-Trey Lance perceived slander seems to just be throwing people into a tizzy. And so Ross Tucker, Odyssey NFL insider, who was so kind to join us on last week's episode, basically said that from anyone you talk to, 
It sounds like they like Trey Lance, or sorry, they sound sounds like the 49ers like Sam Darnold more than they like Trey Lance, and that was clearly not what people wanted to hear, Mark. Yeah, no, and I'm with you. I don't really find uh, much to disagree with there. Um, he thinks the 49ers have soured on Trey Lance, and it seems that considering all the evidence that that is is most likely true and, and and one of the things that he threw out was well you consider the money that they're paying Sam Darnold and that's been something that we have brought up a number of times this offseason one the money two just the guy who he is he's been a starter in the past and then three how quickly it happened in free agency that's a big part of this conversation but listening to Ross talk about it Evan it it just kind of I don't know, popped into my mind regarding Trey Lance and regarding Sam Darnold. I know he also went on to say that he thinks if Brock Purdy wasn't able to play, they would be starting Sam Darnold, which I think is probably more likely than anything else. But when it when it simply comes to the money, Evan, for the 49ers, who we know are already not necessarily cash strapped, I wouldn't say that, but they're certainly watching where they're spending their money because they have so many big contracts. They have a, a big contract upcoming for Nick Bosa, which will likely happen soon. A training camp, again, as you mentioned, opens next week. This is usually around when these things happen for the 49ers. They will not let it wait. At least they don't want to let it wait until preseason and maybe you have Bosa holding out, whatever the situation is. That's going to be coming soon. But I say all of that. The Ford Danners are watching how and where they're spending their money. Was last year's experience for the 49ers evident? Because I think this conversation around Donald and Lance can come down to this. Was last year's experience for the 49ers regarding the injuries to their quarterback position? They went through four quarterbacks, got into a fifth, and you know, then things were terrible in the NFC Championship game. Was that experience enough for them to convince them to spend more on a third-string quarterback than they would have liked to in the future or like in the past that they would have been willing to be comfortable spending on a third quarterback? Because last year it was going to be Brock Purdy that was their third quarterback. Remember, there was Nate Sudfeld who was going to be the backup. Then the whole Jimmy Garoppolo thing happened. Sudfeld was cut. Purdy proved that he was better than Sudfeld, so on and so forth. It, you know, falling in that Sudfeld lane would be Brandon Allen, who you would think of as, as more of a quote unquote normal third string quarterback. But now it's either Trey Lance or Sam Darnold. Was last year's experience for the 49ers just purely on an injury related basis? Was that enough for them to say, we can't let that happen again. Therefore, we're going to spend more on our third string quarterback. Maybe it's Sam Darnold. Or is this just simply, as Ross Tucker put it, the 49ers souring on Trey Lance and them then the 49ers figuring, well, we need a better second string quarterback. Where's that level? I'm not sure exactly how much last year's experience is impacting their decision when it when it comes to the the money that they're spending in the quarterback room. 
And I think that's why this training camp is going to be so interesting. I mean, for a myriad of reasons, but particularly the quarterback. And we're talking about the backup quarterback because, again, at this point, Brock Purdy has not been cleared for week one of the NFL season. And that's the question that everyone seems to be asking. Why why do you care about who the backup is? Why do you care about who the third-string quarterback is? Well, because clearly the 49ers do. Because clearly Kyle Shanahan does. And that is the monetary symbol of three and a half or four million dollars for a third string quote unquote quarterback. That is a lot of money. And I haven't done a double check, but I would venture to guess that at the beginning of this season, that if Sam Darnold is the third string quarterback, he will be the highest paid last quarterback on a roster. That's just the reality. And he's already making more money than the guy who's supposed to start Brock Purdy because his annual value is essentially the league minimum. So right now, I think Ross Tucker, and, and look, he also kind of, he didn't, uh, I mean, he didn't like take a step back from his comments, but he also mentioned throughout the episode how much he hopes that Trey Lance is able to win that yeah. second job because of the potential surrounding him. And also the, I don't want to say near necessity, but the want of a lot of people just to see what he has in case there is a reason to go to a backup quarterback where I completely, and I guess would move away from that is I just believe that Kyle Shanahan is more into knowing what he has, even if that isn't the, the, I guess, best choice. Because this roster, I think he feels like, is safe enough to win football games with an adequate, even mediocre quarterback under center. And in my opinion, Sam Darnold is just that. He's mediocre. But we know he's mediocre. We don't know if Trey Lance is mediocre. He could be great. He also could be five feet below sea level. So we don't exactly have a clue of what that production is going to look like. And that's why I feel like Kyle Shanahan is erring towards Sam Darnold and might even give him the edge in a couple of preseason games because we're going to have to decide who the first string is, who's getting first string reps. And I think things are trending towards Sam Darnold being given an equal opportunity at that spot as the guy everybody wants, Trey Lance. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I am... I think I'm more of the belief, and maybe this is, again, just cynical me sticking out. I I think I tend to be that way, at least when it relates to the 49ers quarterback room. I tend to believe Kyle Shanahan feels like he has a pretty good idea what he has in Trey Lance and, as a result, isn't too happy with it. I, I don't think it's a case of, and again, I could be totally wrong here, I don't think it's a case of, I know what Sam Darnold is. I am unsure of what Trey Lance is, despite the fact that what we know about Sam Darnold isn't all too pleasing. I'm going to roll with that. If Trey Lance was still a giant question mark, and again, that doesn't mean you expect him to be good or on the flip side, you expect him to be bad. But if he was still a major question mark in Kyle Shanahan's mind, like a true unknown, I think he would try to figure out what that guy was, that guy being Trey Lance, over maybe relying on a, a, a still a younger guy, but a, a journeyman a bit who has some experience in this league, but really has failed at all of his stops. To me, Evan, and I'll, I guess I'll just ask you directly, because to me, I feel like Kyle Shanahan has a good sense, at least in his mind. He thinks he knows what Trey Lance is. And the result isn't positive. His outcome wasn't positive, which can explain all of the moves the 49ers have made this season. I know you kind of mentioned this just a moment ago, 
but I want to ask to make sure I get the answer from you directly. Do you think that the 49ers don't know what Trey Lance is as a quarterback at this level? I don't think there's any way they can. Just because of the injuries that he had that derailed last season, the injuries that even hurt potentially the taking off platform for him during his rookie season, but also the fact that he has just simply not played that many snaps under center since he was in high school. He played one full season of college football. I believe it to be more valuable than maybe others do, even if it's at an FCS level, but that's one season of football in the last now four years. So no, I don't think they know what they have in Trey Lance because there's no possible way. I feel that way, but I think the 49ers are like, well, what we've seen from him, the limited game action, but in practice, year in, year out, week in, week out, eh, I don't know. I feel like they're not feeling it. No, I, I could be way wrong on that. I don't know. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. That's Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. We're coming at you twice a week. Please download the Odyssey app, rate and subscribe to us while you were there. Also, check out our YouTube videos on the 95.7 The Game YouTube channel. Subscribe and like while you are there. Um, Mark, well, we may not know what we have in Trey Lance. The 49ers might, although I find that very difficult to believe (laughs) but what they do believe they have in Brock Purdy is something that was articulated by another 49ers quarterback and a good one at that Alex Smith was up in uh, Lake Tahoe and I believe he sat down with Matt Mayoko NBC Sports Bay Area on 49ers talk and had a couple of things to say about what Brock Purdy does have and here's what he had to say really between your ears you got to be able to process a lot fast there's not a there's not a great way to quantify that yet Right. I mean, there's in our interview process and the combine and all the weird tests you take, there's not a, they haven't really found a great way to quantify that. And I think Brock showed he's got it right between mm. the ears. Like it's not too big for him. And, this and is a guy that, that immediately. I mean, this is a guy I know, I know didn't get many reps in training camp. Yeah. You know, finally got backed up to number two. So he's running scout team. You're still not getting many reps. And then to step in and just operate the way he did, it wasn't too big. You could see him dial in and I know in that system there's a lot on the quarterback's plate from a processing standpoint I think he showed enough that absolutely he's got it and again height 40 arm strength like that that stuff really is secondary at at the NFL level and I think he's got the things that you're looking for to win sustainably and again accuracy timing and processing number one he's got it that was the the sentiment from Alex Smith he's got everything between the ears necessary to be not only a good quarterback but it sounds like one that he believes can take the 49ers for the next couple of years back to where they were last season which was the postseason and a deep one at that what, what did you hear from Alex Smith the former 49er <laughs> well it's kind of funny first thing I thought of when he's talking about you know the processing time and you know, how, how quick he can react and the fact that he's not overwhelmed by the system and it's a, a really tough system and, and he processes it, processes it so quick. You can throw out, you know, the physical measurements. How far can you throw? How fast did you run the 40? How tall are you? All of that thing. What immediately popped into my mind was a conversation we had early in the offseason or maybe it was even during the season about the the S2 cognition tests. Do you remember this? When Brock Purdy, you know, it came out and Purdy was like the elite of the elite at this, the similar level of, I don't even remember what names were up there. Like a Drew Brees was up there who's similar in in stature, relatively short for a quarterback like Brock Purdy. 
that's where my mind first went. And, you know, we kind of shrug off those, those S2 cognition tests, at least for now, until we get a little bit more evidence, but hearing it come from Alex Smith, who doesn't have firsthand experience playing for Kyle Shanahan, obviously was a 49er, but well before Kyle Shanahan's tenure with the 49ers, but, Obviously, the Shanahan system is well-known throughout the NFL. Hearing this from a veteran quarterback who didn't have, you know, the elite physical tools to rely on, similar to a Brock Purdy, I would argue, uh, I think it's really encouraging because um, it kind of checks out, I think, also with what I saw from Brock Purdy in the sense that the Brock Purdy, you step in, what do you expect a rookie quarterback, even if you are incredibly physical? Say you're, what, Anthony Richardson, who was drafted by the Colts, probably one of the most physical quarterbacks to come out of college in a really long time. He has incredible arm strength. He is built like a Mack truck. He is incredible, incredibly strong, physical, can throw the ball a mile, can throw it 90 miles an hour. He's an incredible specimen. That's not Brock Purdy. That was not Alex Smith. When you don't have that to rely on, and even when you do have that to rely on, what do you expect a rookie quarterback to do when they first get their chance? You expect them to be overwhelmed by all of the information that you're asked to process, both on an offensive side, what you're calling. Do you know every play in the playbook? Do you know where all your receivers are supposed to be? Can you command the huddle and tell you know your star tight end, George Kittle, your star wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk, later on, your star running back, Christian McCaffrey? Can you tell them where they're supposed to be on any given route? Can you see what the defense is playing? Are they cut playing cover two? Are, you know, where's the nickel in, in this whole, are, are they man to man or are they playing zone? It's so much information to process. And I think it's only more complex running a Shanahan scheme. So the fact that Brock Purdy didn't feel overwhelmed, and this is my mind that that's kind of what it, it's, it looked like to me, but to hear Alex Smith, say the same thing and to confirm the thoughts I had watching Brock Purdy, I think it's, it's a giant plus in his uh, on his side, because this is a guy who you expect to improve. And the fact that he was able to pass all of those tests as a rookie, and that's what stood out to a fellow quarterback in this league. Um, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a giant boon for Brock Purdy. It's, it, obviously it's not going to affect his play, but just to get that kind of compliment saying he has it between the ears. Uh, I agree. And and to hear it from him, I means a lot to me in my opinion. So uh, I, I think this kind of reinforces my belief in Brock Purdy again, not as a physical specimen, but just as an, a guy that's able to handle these wild sorts of environments in the NFL. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, immediately Brock Purdy was impressive with just his ability to to dissect opposing defenses. And you could just tell he knew where the ball was supposed to go right from the jump. I mean, I think his very first game he came in against the Miami Dolphins. There was a third and eight in the second half and the Dolphins bring a zero blitz. So there's essentially man to man. You got to get that ball out quick. There's a free guy coming off the edge. And he immediately identifies George Kittle open over the middle, hits him for a first down. And that was the first time I saw a throw from Purdy. I was like, that's an NFL throw. That's a big league play. And he made plenty of those throughout the season. Now, the one thing that you kind of touched on towards the end, which I, I think is maybe the biggest question for me this year, 
is the physical stature. Brock Purdy right now is listed at, I think, 6'1", 225. I'm going to need to see that in real life this year. <laughs> um, and also to hear someone like Alex Smith, who was a, a pretty large quarterback. Like That's one thing that I don't think we give quarterbacks enough credit for, is just their ability to remain tough and physically fit throughout an entire now 17-game season. Like if, if you had to guess how many of the 14 seasons that Alex Smith standing six foot four, 225 pounds uh, was fully healthy for. So played 15 games or more. How, how many seasons do you think he was healthy for Mark? Mm, mine. Uh, I would out say 14. out of 14, not also. including that, not including the two cut short by injury in which he had a shoulder. And then of course his uh, catastrophic leg injury. Uh, God, I don't know. Seven, half of them. Six, ding, ding, ding. Seven. Half of them. Half of the seasons that the former number one overall pick and a pretty sturdy quarterback at that, um, primarily a pocket passer, not a, could use his legs and could run, but primarily working for the pocket. He was fully healthy for half of his 14 seasons. Brock Purdy is a smaller quarterback in my mind. He is one that plays outside the pocket a little more in my mind. I'm not just comparing him to Alex Smith. I'm saying in general, I want to see Purdy win from the pocket more this season. And I want to see him in less harm's way than he was last season. A lot of that I don't think was on Shanahan. I think it was that elusiveness and that that quick twitch in Brock Purdy's brain that told him he could get an extra second out of a play to be able to extend to make a big play down the field to continue to look for those chunk plays and that is what I think also was maybe a reason why he got hurt during the NFC Championship game I, I wonder how much that singular play along with some that almost were disasters will factor into that quick decision making that made him so elite in his first season under center I wonder if that will continue to carry with him now in his sophomore season. It's almost a little bit of overconfidence that kind of got him not into trouble, but it got him into some places where he could have sustained some injuries. I don't think the actual injury he sustained was one of those. That was just more of a, a freak plug in the NFC championship game where he had a runner uh, running up to him and he was just in the pocket trying to get the ball off. That happens. It's unfortunate. Um, but was it the, the the playoff game against the Seahawks where he made that wild scramble left, spun back right, pump faked, got away from a guy, and then threw to Ayuk in the end zone for what would have been the highlight of all highlights if Ayuk had caught it? He took a, a lick on that play after he released that ball as well. I think it's some of those moments that probably scare Kyle Shanahan, um, and I'm sure he has seen the tape of that play. And while it's incredible that he got the throw off, I think a big point of emphasis for the 49ers this offseason for Brock Purdy specifically is not necessarily always play it safe. Don't be super conservative, but just be be smart about this because, you know, the argument is, hey, Brock, if you stayed healthy, we could have won the Super Bowl last year. How wild was, would that have been? You as a rookie, Mr. Irrelevant, we could have done it last year if you stayed healthy. You are the key to our season. That's the message for the 49ers to Brock Purdy. Play it smart. You don't, you know, take chances here and there. Yes. Don't take chances that are going to potentially get you hurt. And I know it's, it's really simple to say, but when you're in the moment like that, a guy as confident as Brock Purdy, who, who has some 
uh, athleticism. He showed it all his rookie year. He can, you know, extend plays. He can use his legs. He's got some spin moves in him. He can get away from tackles. But for a team that is as uh, talented on offense as this one is, you don't need Brock Purdy to to break out the the Patrick Mahomes spin shovel pass in traffic. You don't need your quarterback to do that to be good. So I think that's the message. You're onto something there. That's the message for the 49ers to Brock Purdy, at least one of them. It's, hey, let's be smart about this because we saw what happened when you went down last year. If that happens again, we're probably in trouble again. You are the key where you need to take a step forward is making sure you're not putting yourself in a position to get hurt. Yeah, what uh, what could be his greatest strength last season might have been his, his greatest, it was his weakness. So uh, who knows? We'll be sure to, to keep an eye on that. But the, the sentiment is he's got it for Alex Smith. Uh, this is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. That is Mark Randy. My name is Evan Giddings. We're coming at you twice a week. Training camp is just a week away for those of you listening to this on Tuesday, the 25th of July. Veterans report. Uh, as you're listening to this on Tuesday, the rookies are actually reporting to training camp. Oof. So technically officially getting going. But of course, everybody's waiting for the big boys to show up. Um, speaking of big boys, Mark. A couple of them this weekend, and I think the same, I don't know if it was the same tournament, but the same area that Alex Smith was talking to uh, NBC Sports Bay Area, Jerry Rice and Steve Young also commented on the 49ers championship window. I thought this was interesting because it's something that we have talked about a lot here in the offseason on the 415ers, and that's this concept of a window and how long it is. And I think Steve Young went so far as to say that typically four to five years is how he would define a Super Bowl window. Some are longer, some are a lot shorter. You know, if you abide by the Rams F the picks, you're going all in for one or two years. Other teams, depending on their quarterback situation, especially in the modern game, might have a longer window, a la Kansas City. But generally he's saying four to five years is when you're competing for a Super Bowl. Well, by that logic, Mark, this would be year five, because three of the last four years, you have gotten to an NFC title game or a Super Bowl, one season marred by injury. And now you're in essentially year five of that window of contention. Do you believe the window's closing? Because Steve Young and then also Jerry Rice placed a very large emphasis on 2023 that the 49ers, this is the year they got to get it done. And maybe, you know, they're up there in the Tahoe area. Maybe they made a trip over to Reno and, and placed a bet on it. You never know. Maybe they're betting on the 49ers to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, I think there's a difference in the window slamming shut and the window, you know, closing just a little bit. Uh, I think this is the 49ers' best chance to win a Super Bowl uh, in this, I think, era is is too wide of a term. But in this, I don't know, group with this core, which includes Trent Williams, it includes Debo Samuel, it includes George Kittle. This is the best chance, at least moving forward. You could argue maybe a past year was was a better chance. Last year was a good one. The year they actually made it to the Super Bowl was a good one as well. I know they didn't have Trent Williams with that team. But thinking about this year and future years, this, in my opinion, is their best chance unless they somehow strike gold in a major way with an acquisition or a, a draft pick that we just didn't simply see coming. This seems like the best opportunity. So I am with 
Jerry Rice. I'm with Steve Young. I mean, Jerry Rice said, uh, quote, you know, over the weekend, to win it all, you know, we've got it on defense, we being the 49ers. We've got it on offense. There are no excuses, man. They should be going into training camp thinking about the Super Bowl. That door is going to close at some point. That's why the mindset should be we're going to win it now. You just have to have that kind of confidence. I agree with him. This is the 49ers' best opportunity to win a Super Bowl. And if for whatever reason they fall short, they make a decision on Debo slash Ayuk next offseason, maybe something happens with George Kittle's future. I know there's been some rumblings, some Twitter rumors about that. I think fans, for the 49ers in general, they might look back at this year as the wasted opportunity if it doesn't come to fruition. Still a gigantic if. You've got great teams uh, all across the the NFL. The good news is most of them are in the AFC. Um, but I agree with with uh, Jerry Rice and Steve Young, Evan. I think this is the 49ers' best opportunity in the foreseeable future. Again, things can change in the future. But just looking right now and projecting ahead, this seems to be when the window is most open for the 49ers. Yeah, and I don't mean to, to split hairs, but the way I view this season is off of Rice and Young's comments about the window, the emphasis on the now, and how sometimes these things go right by you and you don't even realize it. I do believe that this season lines up to be the 49ers' last best chance to win a Super Bowl. Until I see the product on the field, I don't know if I can go so far as to say that this team, to me, looks like it's got the makings of a 2019 team. They might be able to get 13 wins, as did the team in 2019. But the 49ers that season were the best team from the beginning of the season until about mm, six minutes left in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. <laughs> so that, to me, is the standard that they're measured against when we're talking about championship windows. I don't know if they're that, but they are damn close, and especially with the impending decisions they have to make at the end of the offseason. Uh, I should say the end of next season, as well as where they kind of are with their quarterback situation, with some of the guys getting a little bit older that are their star studded players. To me, Mark, this does line up to be their last best opportunity to make a run at it. In addition to what you're talking about in relation to the rest of the conference being a little bit weaker, you have a much easier route to get out of the NFC than an AFC team even if it means going through a top two or three roster like the one in Philadelphia. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think it's important. I should specify, uh, and I think you probably feel the same way. When I say I think this is, you know, the the, the moment, the season in which the, the 49ers championship window is the most open, like it's going to creep close just a little bit. It's going to inch towards, you know, closing in the future. I'm not saying that as in like this is the last dance for the 49ers. Like it's it's not that. Um, it's actually something that I heard Larry Kruger say on on your show today on 95.7 The Game. The 49ers have a young head coach, generally speaking, a young head coach and a young general manager. This isn't a 49ers franchise as a whole that is going for broke right now they could be pulling out a lot of stops to try to win it this year but they're not in the business of absolutely mortgaging their future to win this year now they desperately want to win this year but it's not as if and again things could go wrong they could make wrong picks acquire the wrong players 
trade away the wrong players, make wrong decisions every step of the way. And five years from now, they could be a bottom 10 team in the NFL. That's certainly possible. But it's not as if that's the plan for the 49ers. It's not like they are putting everything they possibly can into the next three seasons, including this one. And then, you know what? We're preparing to be terrible. Shanahan's going to move on because, you know, he just got rid of the, the last few future draft picks that they have. John Lynch, okay, he might move on because he has shown interest on the television side of things and television, you know, stations, networks have shown interest in him as well, including as recently as last offseason. That's possible. But this isn't a a group of leaders within the organization, Evan that are just trying to go for broke now. So I want to make sure I make that clear. I'm not saying it's doom and gloom. If they don't get it done this year, you can say goodbye to this era of 49ers football. I think this is setting up to be a long and prosperous era of 49ers football. Maybe not, you know, multiple Super Bowls, but legitimate playoff contender or a playoff perennial playoff team and legitimate conference contender for years to come. It's just going to look different if they don't get it done this year, because naturally players, coaches, front office members, they will move on to other opportunities where they have a, a, you know, a step up in stature. It's just what happens in this business. I'm not saying it, it's going to be bad if it doesn't happen this year. I'm just saying if they don't get it done this year, it's, it, it might not happen with this group. No, but I think that's an important detail to, to dig into, and that's the stability of the front office. And Kyle Shanahan is still a very young head coach, relatively speaking, even though he's got tons of experience. Um, John Lynch, you know, if you're concerned about him leaving in the near future, I, I guess, you know, I, I can understand why he is certainly sought after both at the football as well as the media level. Um, but something that we also kicked around today on the show, Mark, was the fact that you got a guy like Adam Peters, who has been, you know, the, the right hand man for John Lynch as assistant general manager. And he's only 43 years old. You know, so he's still in his early 40s. There's still a big future for him if he should have to step up and fill the shoes of a guy like John Lynch. Not saying that's expected, uh, but there is a built-in continuity within the front Mm -hmm. office that not a lot of NFL organizations have and that they're certainly trying to look to kind of replicate with their own. So I think the 49ers are ahead from that sense. And one thing that, of course, determines how well you do year in and year out is how you draft. And the 49ers have also shown a pretty good idea of not only you know hitting on a, enough of their top picks, but also being able to find players in the later rounds. And I'm sure there's a couple from this year's draft that might impact this season. Uh, Kicker's probably the biggest one that comes to mind at this point, but a guy like Jair Brown has expected a lot of him. There will be an avenue for him to start or in the near future, but get reps this season. Um, those kind of things to me are why I would feel confident in the window remaining open. But as far as the amount of top heavy, all pro, you know, top flight caliber talent being on the 49ers, that's something that I can't project at this point, but I can say that this team does have, and which is why I, I still feel like what we're talking about is not the door being shut, but the best chance to maximize that door being open is 2023. Yeah, so let me ask you this. If the 49ers don't win a Super Bowl this season, will Trent Williams win a Super Bowl with the 49ers? 
I mean, odds would tell you probably not. Probably no. And I mean, that's probably the answer. I guess maybe I should. How confident are you? Like on a scale, if he wins of the Super Bowl 10, this year, does he even come back next season? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but like the question is, yeah. if if the 49ers don't win this year, Trent Williams probably will not win as a member of the 49ers or just as an NFL player, period, because he's approaching the end of his career. If the 49ers don't win a Super Bowl this year, how confident are you that Nick Bosa could win a Super Bowl with the 49ers at some point? Obviously way more confident because he is on the younger side and, you know, you expect him to be a 49er for years to come. I could say the same question for George Kittle. If the 49ers don't win a Super Bowl this year, how confident are you that George Kittle could be a part of a Super Bowl winning team for the 49ers? I could say the same thing for Debo Samuel. Like you, you just have these these certain key players on your roster that their futures are uncertain. And it's just what happens in this business. Now, there are certain guys, Nick Bosa, if everything goes according to plan, will be a 49er for a long, long time. And if he's on this 49ers team, they will have a good defense at the very least. If you have a good defense in this league, you're probably going to at least be competing for a playoff spot. It's it's just the way it works. So there are moments in franchises where you have turning points, and I think the 49ers are approaching one, and you want to make sure you do everything in your power to, again, use the word that you used, maximize the opportunity that you have right now before you get to that turning point. They haven't yet reached that major turning point, and as a result, they need to get it done now. Well, the first step in all of this is training camp, and as people are listening on Tuesday, rookies report today. For those that are listening on Tuesday, a week away, veterans report to training camp on July 25th. And I think, uh, I don't know if both of our shows, but I know at least one of us is going is to be out there, Mark. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully being able to see players live and in person, uh, whether it's the quarterbacks, uh, the offensive line, the D line that looks to be completely mm. renewed and rebolstered. Um, a whole hell of a lot to look forward to as we approach training camp. And we'll have your preview coming for you next Tuesday, right before training camp. So I'm looking forward to digging into all the juicy storylines there. But as for now, that'll put a wrap on this episode of the 415ers podcast. A big thank you uh, to Ross Tucker, who came on last week, also provided us apparently with a lot of great content that we didn't <laughs> know we had. Um, thank you to Mark. As always, my name is Evan Giddings. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Got some good stuff cooking in the books that'll come your way then. In the meantime, we appreciate you tuning in. Download the Odyssey app, subscribe, rate, also, check us out on YouTube on 95.7 The Game's YouTube channel. Subscribe while you're there as well. That'll do it for the 415ers podcast today. We'll talk to you next time.